What's up, guys? This is Danny Langloss. Welcome to Season 5 of the Leadership Excellence Podcast. 2023 was an incredible year. Keynotes, workshops, just so much fun working with so many different teams. 2024, things are booking up, they're rolling, and I really want to get back to more episodes in the podcast. Tons of engagement out there. Our LinkedIn family has grown to about 60,000. If you're looking at for more video content, follow us on TikTok at Danny Langloss 2 All right, here we go. Let's get after it. There are so many things that impact our ability to achieve success, but none are more important than leadership. Individuals, organizations, and communities rise and fall with leadership. We are here to help you rise. Thank you for joining us. This is the Leadership Excellence Podcast. Hello, leaders, and welcome to Leadership Excellence. My name is Danny Langloss. Today, We are going to be talking with my great friend, CEO of KSB Hospital, a mentor and a coach to me, Dr. David Schreiner. We're going to be talking about his brand new book that releases on Tuesday, January 16th, 2024, Be the Best Part of Their Day, Supercharging Communication with Values-Driven Leadership. I'm through this book. It is absolutely phenomenal. What I love about Dave, what I love about authors like Dave, speakers, people who run workshops, do consulting in addition to their work, is he's a leader. He's on the front lines. This man led KSB Hospital through COVID. He was a major part of our unified command team with the city. Um, There's been so many challenges. I know you'll talk about some of that through examples and stuff as we work through our discussion today. But Dave, I am so, so excited. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, Danny, the thanks are all mine. And I know that the audience that you have developed is national and international. And if you'll allow me, I want to make sure that they understand the impact that you're having on our community. We have a recreation center for our children. We have soccer fields. We have an economic development association that is absolutely lighting it up. And Danny, your role as city manager and as a leader, not just in our community, but throughout the country is aspirational for me, my friend. And I am, I'm beyond grateful for you letting me be a small part of it. Thank you. Thank you. I I appreciate that, Dave. And, you know, I always talk about, you know, leadership's a journey. There's no destination. And there's several times a year where just when you think you figured it out, just like with parenting, when you think you figured it out, you've got a situation, you have no idea what to do. And Dr. David Schreiner is one of the people that I call, that I lean on, that I bounce things off of. He asks great questions. He's got great insights. Something super cool is that Dave was with us from the beginning. Leadership Excellence Podcast, Season 1, Episode 2, July 20th, 2020, uh, Values Driven Leadership. Uh, great podcast, great episode. Phenomenal. We're 78, 79 episodes deep. We're starting season five. We only release six or seven episodes a year at this point. I'm so excited for this to kick off season five. So thanks again, Dave. So Dave, uh, first of all, you, you, while you're leading a hospital, more than a thousand team members, while you're pushing through COVID and all that, and I know you were working 50, 60 hours a week, and that, those are probably light weeks. You go and you get your doctorate on values-driven leadership. Finished it in 2022 from Benedictine University. Talk a little bit why it was important for you to go back and to commit to that and to, to push through, even during times most people would have quit and walked away. 
Well, Danny, my story starts in 2019 in regards to this work. And I was having lunch with a friend at one of our favorite places here in Dixon as a restaurant. We eat a lot. You and I eat a lot. We do. And we were having this discussion with this friend. And I told him that even though the hospital was meeting all or most of our key performance indicators, and we were doing well financially, and our engagement was good from a patient perspective, from an employee perspective, Danny, I felt as if I was under-delivering. I couldn't put my finger on it, but I was not engaging with the people that mattered to me the most in a meaningful way. And this gentleman had just finished his doctorate in values-driven leadership at Benedictine University, and he showed me the curriculum. And the curriculum focused on how we can work with the people that are um, in our family. We can work with the people in the organizations that we lead. We can work with the people in our community. And I learned so much through that program. It really did fill my bucket up, Danny. And it gave me that passion to move forward and try to get some answers to some things that I had been missing for a significant period of time. See, Annette, most people are going to be blown away to hear that because here you are, you've ascended through the ranks. You came in in the imaging department. You worked your way up to COO, number two in the hospital. You were selected to be the CEO. How long have you been the CEO now, Dave? Uh, 2011. 2011. So in 2019, after eight years of serving as the CEO of the hospital, you said, I need to continue to invest in myself for my people and my community. And that's the that's leadership excellence right there. That's leadership excellence. That's the commitment because there's no destination. Dave, you did as part of your, your doctoral program, you did a dissertation, which ended up being, I believe, foundationally to your new book, Be the Best Part of Their Day. So I'm interested in what was it about all that you learned about your dissertation that led to this title, be the best part of their day and led to this framework? I was fortunate enough, Danny, to talk to five leaders from some of the best performing hospitals around the United States about how they engage with their teams. And not only did I talk to the CEOs of those health systems, but I also spoke with the chairman of their board of directors, the president of their medical staff, a vice president or a member of their administrative team, and an hourly employee. And so I wanted to not only hear what the CEO said she was doing, but also to have that confirmed by the people that are participating in that engagement. And there were some things that boiled to the top. They they came to um, define how I look at in fact as how I look at effective engagement and how people communicate in ways that really light that fire towards their personal mission and their organizational mission. And those those things came together in these three major concepts in the book and underneath each of those concepts, five categories. Wow. I love the way that that's put together uh, deeper into the book as you work towards it. It's kind of the framework today. Dave, could you just share quickly what are those three categories? Yes. Thanks, Danny, for that opportunity. The first is engage and connect at a personal level. Second is engage with intent through various mediums. And third is be mission-focused through United Leadership. So engage and connect, engage with intent, and be mission-focused. Wow. Excellent. And so for, for today's purposes, um, you know, because we're not going to cover an entire book and every experience, we're going to dive in to that engage and connect. And I think we've chose a, a few different topics. One is ask great questions and generate positivity. How did that 
surface in your research? How did you come to that as a main category? Can I tell you a story, Danny, where I saw an example of that? Perfect. There was a organization in the Pacific Northwest, and they were a hospital whose physical plant was built back in the 1960s. It's called the Halberton Act. And a lot of hospitals around the country were, were built with federal funds that became available, and the facility is aging. And so this hospital CEO, she decided that they needed to do a new hospital, and that would have to go before the voters. And her board, so the hospital's board of directors were elected, and several of those board members had ran on a no new tax platform. And so she realized that in order for this dream of hers to have a chance, she had to go out into the community and make this something that the community would rally around. And so the way she did that, Danny, is she put together a presentation that talked about the benefits of a new hospital for that community. And before she took that on the road, she sat down with the chief of her marketing department and she had the marketing chief give the presentation. And this CEO asked every question that she could think of. And by doing that, when she was out at a rotary presentation today, I gave a rotary presentation here in Dixon. We do that stuff all the time, right? We or if she was at McDonald's talking to seniors when they were having their coffee in the morning or in front of the school board, she had already anticipated any question that might be asked. And so there was nothing that was difficult that was thrown at her. And what she realized is as she listened with intent to the people in the community and they expressed their concerns, her best way to understand those concerns were through follow-up questions. And what happened, Danny, was that the community felt heard. The CEO of the hospital was listening to them. She didn't come in saying, we need to build this new hospital. She came in saying, if we're sitting here two years from now and our community has a new physical facility for our hospital, these are some of the things that we could offer to its citizens that we can't offer today. Now let's talk about what concerns you might have and let's work, let me ask some questions to try to understand where you are. I think that's just a perfect example of showing love and respect and listening skills by using great questions. And we can do that every day, Danny. I use it in my personal life. I use it in my professional life. I have for the last three years and it fills up my bucket. It makes me feel great about the conversations that I have with people because I learn, I learn from them. And that's, uh, that's something that's really important to me. So powerful. People felt heard. Listen first. I, I want to point out something to the listeners because we're talking about some research that you had done and you're in the hospital industry. But Dave, is, is this limited by hospital organizations? Is this only applicable in hospital settings or is this applicable to leaders across all professions? That's a great question. See, you got it already, Danny. You're good at this, man. When I thought, when I first started, I thought it was a hospital-specific issue. And then when I had the opportunity to present my research to a bank, I found how that worked with their executive team and also with people throughout their organization. A, a local bank had me come in and present for their um, staff meeting that they held once a year. Uh, a second opportunity that I had was with a payroll company. And it was that I, I got the same feedback, Danny. I got that idea that these things work across industries. And manufacturing is another side that I've had the opportunity to present um, a financial services conference that I spoke at. And so I found that they're not at all limited to healthcare, and they're not just limited to our professional life as well. That's something that you've said a couple of times we've gotten together 
is the the impact of how when we get good at really engaging and connecting the value that has at home with our family, with our friends, with our kids, with our spouse, with the people that are important to us away from work. And so as people listen to these stories and examples, think about those things as well, because this is something that can really improve our quality of life 360. Yes. And we all know that we show up in a more meaningful way at work when things are going well at home, right? It's really hard when we have those challenging situations in our personal lives to not allow that to carry over. And so if we're connecting in a more meaningful way with those that we love, the people that matter the most to us away from work, we learn some things there that make us more effective in the workplace as well. Absolutely. Yeah. There, stuff that's happening at home comes in, stuff that's happening at work leaves. That, that is one of the great responsibilities and great impact of leadership that hopefully our people can come to a place. We can be the best part of their day, which I absolutely love. And they can take that positive energy back home with them and the rest of their lives. Dave, one of the things I've always admired is you are just a great asker of questions. And I'm working on that and I'm, I'm trying to get better and better. What are, what are some of these what are some of the keys to asking great questions or what are some of the things that that you dive into as you work people get better in this area? It is a muscle, Danny, and it's, it's something that has to be um, practiced and something that has to be developed. And what I have found is I start with a true interest in people. And that's something that sometimes it comes naturally and sometimes it doesn't. But if I begin an interaction with someone and I realize that they're a subject matter expert in something that I'm not. And sometimes that's a case of, you know, let's use an example of people that report to you. Um, the people that are closest to the work often have a better understanding of what's important for them to be successful in their job. And so in your case, if you're talking to someone from the streets department, even if they're not the leader of that area, you can learn from them. And I think you sometimes have to pull that out from people. And I, I mean that in a respectful way. But the way we pull it out is through questions. Tell me more about Tell me about if we were sitting here a year from now and you had the best year of your career, what happened? Describe the environment in vivid detail. What were the successes that you had and what set you up for those successes? That conversation is so much different than what's wrong. What can we fix? Um, Danny, throughout my career, I've been rewarded for fixing things, for doing. And what one of the biggest learnings for me was to be present. As many times when people come in to see me, they aren't looking for an answer. They don't want me to fix something. They want me to be present and listen to them and help them through this situation. And oftentimes we can do that through questions. So I hope I've answered your question through that. It's, it's really around that caring and love. And I, I know people get a little freaky when they hear that word, but that genuine concern for that other person's well-being and the questions arise. The, the price of leadership, the entry, like in poker to sit at the hold'em table, you got to have chips. You got to have the buy-in. And for me, the buy-in of leadership is a genuine, care, a genuine care and concern for your people that does develop into a feeling much like love. We're 100% aligned there. And you said something that I think is the new era of coaching that you really unlocked in this book as I'm reading it, is our job as leaders isn't to be solving the problems for our people, isn't to be giving them the answers. Somebody comes in with a problem, uh, describes it to you, you give them the answers, you've helped them solve that problem. You ask the kind of questions that you're talking about, and now you've helped them solve that problem 
which they'll do themselves. They'll be more committed to because they came to it. They can own it, but you help them solve a piece of the pie. And even though that investment takes longer, you actually save time in the long run. I think it's something big. Leaders, the best leaders are the best coaches and coaching isn't about solving. That's training. That's showing. Coaching is about asking these questions. Love that. Dave, as you ask those questions, uh, what came to mind was appreciative inquiry. Can you, that's a big part of asking great questions. And while the, the listeners might not have realized it, those questions, I think you were using that concept. Can you describe that and some of the premise of it? Sure, I, I can. And I, I love talking about this topic, Danny. Appreciative Inquiry was first developed by David Cooperwriter at Case Western Reserve University. And the idea is whether you're looking at an issue from a personal perspective or an organizational perspective, you think about when you were thriving, when you were knocking it out of the park, you were operating on all cylinders, and then giving intentional thought to what was the environment, what was present in that moment, what was your mindset? What were you thinking in great detail? When you were really having fun at what you do, you were loving your job, you were loving your family, what was going on to make that happen? And then appreciative inquiry is that concept of dreaming about what that best place can be, whether it's you as an individual or as an organization, and then trying to close the gap between current state and ideal state. Wow. So this is a appreciative inquiry is about visioning a future state, what that looks like, potentially the questions about what would it have taken to get there. But it's also, it sounds like it's about imagining like what emotions you would feel if you had that success, this dreaming of what this best place is. Yeah. Can I give you a small story about that? A question that we ask? Yes, sir. So we had a strategic planning retreat for our hospital. We're a independent rural hospital, 950 employees. And one of the questions that I asked the participants, Danny, is you fall asleep and you slept for five years, right? There's a lot of leaders on your call right now thinking that sounds pretty darn good right now. <laughs> but you slept for five years and you woke up and our organization was everything you aspirationally hoped that it would be. What's it look like? What's the physical plant look like? Who do we have in our organization? What are the awards and recognition that we've received over the last five years? What are our customer, for us patient, your customer engagement scores look like? What do our employee engagement scores look like? We nailed all of them. Describe it. Wow. So appreciative inquiry. This is something that's becoming clear to me because I'm not, you know, completely familiar with the concept. Um, it's about a future state we want to create, imagining that state. So how can appreciative inquiry, so the, the one-on-ones we do with our people, the check-ins, the annual meetings, the semi-annual, how, how often would it be appropriate, Dave, to use appreciative inquiry and the development of a specific team member? Does that make sense or am I off base? No, it makes perfect sense. So let's talk about potentially a disciplinary issue, Danny. Does that make sense as far yeah. as for an example. Mm -hmm. So if a person comes in and there was behavior that is not consistent with your organizational culture and your organizational philosophy, um, what we're used to doing is scolding, right? We're used to saying, here's what happened. Here's what you did. Don't ever do that again. An appreciative approach is saying, here's the situation that you encountered. How could we have done that differently to get to an outcome that's important to you and meets our organizational norms? 
And it completely changes the conversation, Danny, to from a, a deficit perspective to an appreciative place of abundance. And so I, I think the answer to your question of how often is only defined by how many people do you talk to every day? And if you were to tell me that you were going to commit to including some portion of appreciative inquiry with every conversation you have over the next week, I would love to meet you for lunch and hear those stories. And I bet that I would see an even bigger smile from you that I'm used to seeing all of the time because I try to do that. And it has to be authentic. It has to be transparent. I mean, there's no games being played about trying to make something up. It's listening to what the situation is and coming to that situation from a place of fullness as opposed to a place of emptiness. I hear um, when I hear you describe that and the the second approach to an issue versus it being disciplinary, I'm going to come down hard on you. I hear a shift from judgment to curiosity. And That's that's a great way to look at it, Danny. And the, the one uh, criticism of appreciative inquiry that I want to make sure we spend just a couple of seconds on is it's not all sunshine and puppies. If, if there was behavior that requires discipline, that discipline still needs to be in place. And so I'm assuming this is a situation where that employee is allowed to stay in the workplace and we want to develop and coach, not a situation where there was, you know, um, lies or bad behavior or something that was ethically inappropriate. That's a different conversation, right? Sometimes that's a, you've got to go and we wish you well in your next opportunity. This is when you're trying to develop and coach and retain that person and improve what they can give to you in the organization. And most having, of, yeah, uh, that, that's a huge, that's a huge thing to point out there. You're having the conversation because you care about them and you want them to be successful. You want them to reach their goals. They're a little off track. You're helping correct to a true north, but you're getting buy-in from them, yeah, and, and 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 an ownership. And I had a boss at a time that you'd come in, you'd get yelled at, you'd apologize, you'd get yelled at again, you would leave. Then I had a boss who did something similar to what you're talking about, and at the end of that conversation, Dave, um, you you felt like you let yourself down, you felt like you let your boss down, and you were a hundred percent committed to not doing that again. And the growth that happened in those moments was so powerful. And wow, that is just such a powerful concept. I have so much more to learn on this topic. And I know there's there there's a dive and I've got to go back through my notes from the book on this topic of appreciative inquiry because it's so powerful about visioning where do we want to go, um, situations where somebody isn't meeting a performance objective, or I got to imagine a one-on-one -on -one conversation where we're maybe doing some goal setting or we're getting a clear understanding of what does success look like? What does impact look like? What was fulfillment look like? What does happiness and engagement look like to that other person? And caring enough to have that conversation with somebody so we know them holistically and can help them really reach their goals. And, you know, Danny, what's so fun with that in my experience has been that together, those goals, it's a multiplier force. You come up with better, more creative, um, more impactful goals working together that way than I could ever do by myself. And that's really exciting for that person because you're setting them up for success. And the only way we success, we have success as organizations is by our people thriving. That's it. I often talk about every situation being a puzzle. And there's maybe a hundred pieces of the puzzle in every situation. As leaders, if we're staying connected and doing the best job we can do, we're lucky to have 75 pieces of that puzzle. That means there's 25 we don't have. Appreciative inquiry 
allows us to connect into that front line, what you were talking about and get those additional pieces. And it also allows through that conversation for us to give the necessary pieces to our people and they'll listen and they'll take those in because we care enough to hear them first. They feel cared about. And the next thing you know, decisions across every level of the organization are being made with 90, 95, 99 pieces of the puzzle. And when we can do that and everybody's invested, what a game changer. Yeah, be the best part of their day. Uh, talking with Dr. David Schreiner, this book releases January 16th, 2024. Phenomenal book. I've got my copy. I've gone through it. I've got notes. I've got some areas I want to go back in and, and really dive into. Dave, the, the second thing following ask great questions and generate positivity is develop great listening skills and practice them regularly. You you tapped into a, a few things on this during the conversation. You have a story uh, around that you want to share. Do you want to talk about some of the principles? Because it's all of us can hear, but few of us listen well. I, I do, Danny, and thanks for the opportunity to share that. One of the times that I mentioned in the book was a personal story. And uh, I love many things about my job. One of the things I love is I can have a conversation at nine o'clock with a Harvard trained surgeon. And at 930, I can have a conversation with someone from our housekeeping team that has a GED. And both of those conversations are equally meaningful. And my historical practice was when I was in that nine o'clock meeting, I'd be thinking about the 930 meeting or the other 25 meetings we have throughout that day. And I wasn't present in the moment very often. And this happened to me a lot at home in my personal life. And what I realized was that I was not only cheating the person that was in front of me, but I was cheating myself in a very meaningful way because I wasn't able to contribute in a way that moved that person forward and thus moved the organization forward. So that idea of listening is something that I have to work very hard at. It's something that I have to think about every conversation and put the phone away and try to minimize distractions to whatever extent that I can. And these two things go together, Danny, because when I am most engaged and I'm most in the moment, I'm also asking great questions. And that keeps me there because I want to hear their response and I want to think of deeper ways to go in this conversation. And that can also be done. It can always be done through additional questions. So all of these 15 components under, the, under these three categories, they do intertwine with each other and work together to create that fabric of meaningful communication. Dave, what for somebody that has, we've all got so much going on. I'll be honest. I walked into city hall today. I'd end up in a phone meeting that I didn't anticipate that I had. And that took longer. I wanted to just get up to my office and I about violated my rule about going in, you know, saying good morning to our staff, our city hall team at the front desk, who I absolutely love and adore, but we, there's only so many minutes in a day. And so now I'm in this meeting and now I've got these things to do and I've got this weighing on me that I got to make a decision on. How do you, do you have any tricks or what worked for you to get better at just staying and being in that present moment? Yeah. So a couple of things, if I can share, Danny, that you and your listeners might think about that I have tried to put into place. Uh, I began using a self-screening tool for things that required my my attendance and my attention. So part of what I dealt with is, and I'm still dealing with, is that idea that I didn't feel it was important for me to be there. And so my mind wandered because I wasn't making a meaningful contribution to the meeting. And so first of all, it's what do you not have to be at? I mean, you're the city manager. Are there other people that can represent you so that you don't have to be in that meeting? The first is, is not go. 
The second is, can you turn a 60 meeting minute meeting into a 30 minute meeting? And sometimes that's done through having clear goals and outcomes from the meeting and having clear documentation about who's going to do what by when and following through. I'm not saying that we shouldn't allow time in the interactions that we have to have personal conversations and talk about how your son did in his t-ball game last night. Those things are important too. But if we have to have the meeting, can we make it shorter? So those things were really helpful for me in trying to use my time in the best way possible because it is fixed, right? I mean, we, we don't do better than those 24 hours per day. And there are things in there that we have to accomplish. So, you know, that's a couple of things to try is um, put that meeting screen in place. And then when you're there, try to reduce the time. Um, one of the things that I use is um, 60 minute meetings are always scheduled for 50. So if I start at the top of the hour, I finish the appointment at 950 and 30 minute meetings are 25. And what that does is it allows me to bring my own closure to the meeting that I just finished and give the appropriate attention to the meeting that I'm starting next. And I think when we live in a virtual world, Danny, that's even more complicated because in the past, I at least had the ability to walk from my office to the next meeting, which might be, you know, five minutes or 10 minutes away within our hospital. Now we have virtual meetings and you go from nine to nine 30 and the next one starts at nine 30 and 10 and you do that all day long. So Use the screener and give some thought to that 50 and 25 rule. Dave, you talked about a strategy you've implemented now because it is so important for you to be able to connect in a meaningful way with the people in your life, with your team members. And so if you had, you were talking about if you had a meeting maybe on the other side of the hospital, you've implemented this new strategy where there's some additional time blocked off. Could you talk about that? I could, because one of the things that I realized is when I was a baby CEO, Danny, I completely underestimated the impact that I had when I had the opportunity to connect with people. If I walk by someone, an employee from our organization, and I don't acknowledge them, I don't stop and listen, that may be one of one or two chances in a year that I get to interact with them. And they're going to go home and they're going to say, you know, my CEO walked by today. He didn't even know who I am, let alone did he even look at me. Versus the opportunity to stop and have a conversation with them, even if it's one or two minutes. And then can you imagine if they go home that evening and they tell their husband, the CEO stopped and talked to me. And, you know, I told him about such and such and such. And, you know, of course, you have to have loop closure and all the important things that go along with that. But I think those interactions are so important. And it's it's way more important than uh, some of the other things that I spent so much time worrying about in the past. So but you do have to layer that into your schedule. Otherwise, you're going for me anyway. I hate being late. It's like one of my biggest pet peeves. And so I add stress if I'm late for meetings. And, you know, it's mostly self-inflicted, but it's still stress. And so leave a little bit of extra time. Stop, even go out of your way. Walk to that next appointment in a different way every once in a while. Drive in a different way to work. I think those things are so important to keep us motivated. Leadership is hard. hard. It is not for the faint of heart. That is for sure. And our microphone's always on. And, you know, we're constantly being judged. And we could have a million things on our mind. If people knew all we were doing, they'd be like, oh, man, I could never do that. But when we walk by somebody and we don't acknowledge them, um, 
that that leaves a mark when people feel if anybody's ever felt invisible and you know jane dutton refers to these kind of connections that you're talking about as high quality connections and they don't have to be long they just have to be positive and authentic with a little bit of engagement i mean even if we're walking with somebody somewhere in a conversation somebody to understand why we didn't stop and talk to look and to make eye contact to smile to tilt our head to give a head nod just so we acknowledge that means so much to people and it, you know both of us you know really pride ourselves in humility nobody has to call us a formal title or any of those things we don't realize sometimes the impact that we have because we don't look at ourselves in that way but the impact's there and it's something I've been trying to be more emotionally intelligent about just in my own day-to-day -day leadership. Yeah, may I give you a really small tip that I talk to KSB employees on their very first day of orientation? Yes, please. So one of the things that I love is I get to talk to people in that first hour of their first day as a new employee at KSB Hospital. And so one of the things that I talk to them about, Danny, is the 10 and 5 rule. Have you heard of that one before? No. It's just this idea that when someone's walking towards you and they're 10 feet away, you make eye contact with them. You know, what can you see? You can see a little bit of that deer in the headlights look. I, I don't know where I am. I don't know where I'm going. I'm scared. It happens in healthcare all the time. It happens a lot of places and a lot of businesses. So at 10 feet, you just make eye contact. At five feet, you say something. You know, what can you say? Good morning. Can I help you? Can I help you find anything? You know, as you said, even a smile. But that 10 and five has become part of our organizational culture. And I have healthcare executives from other organizations come into the hospital and say, you know, I, I really can't put my finger on it, but it felt good. It felt nice around here. People looked at me and said, hello, that doesn't happen everywhere. And it's That's not true. a KSB thing. I mean, you promote that as well, Danny, but I, I think it is something that we have to be intentional about and just connect with other human beings. It's it's such a gift to get a chance to be the best part of someone's day. And we don't know what people are going through. If we can help in some infinitesimal way, what a wonderful blessing that is. What a wonderful, you know, it's funny. You began talking about that and it, it clicked to me. I did read that and loved it in the book. I actually have it highlighted in there. It opened a door that was kind of closed in my head. It's brilliant. And, you know, for people who that doesn't come naturally to having a rule that you can kind of point to be intentional about it, it, it changes everything. And I, I love that the stuff you talk about, the stuff you teach, the stuff you write, you talk about bigger concepts, but you break it down for something actionable that somebody can do today. And I think that's just so important, Dave. Well, thanks, Danny. When I get the opportunity to do keynotes and I'm on the stage, the last slide that I always use is what are you willing to commit to in the next 24 hours? Because I really think otherwise it's just entertainment and I'm not all that entertaining. So when we get an opportunity to speak, you're way more entertaining than I am. I really want to make sure that we have actionable things that people can put into practice. That's what I want from the book, Danny. I, I hope that I get the opportunity to get people to think about things in a different way. And if I can be a part of helping them in their journey or helping their organization, that's a passion place for me. And I, I love doing it. Man, we are completely aligned. I admire the heck out of your work. Dr. David Schreiner, we're talking to him about uh, be the best part of their day. His new book coming out January 16, 2024 will also be the release date of this podcast. So if you're listening, it's available on Amazon. We'll have a link everywhere that we're posting. It'll be within the podcast description as well. Three categories, 15 different things outlined within those categories, things actionable that you can do. Uh, Dave, we got a few more minutes and I wanted to talk about finding ways to express gratitude because I think appreciation is fuel for the soul. Because you talk about uh, this concept. 
Yes, I'll go to a story again if I can, Danny. So I was in a hospital in Vermont and I was interviewing their CEO and he said, you know, Dave, I come from a large Catholic family. And when we celebrate, we do so with food. We get everybody around the table and that's the way that we have community. And so at our hospital, we have our executive team and our board of directors serve our employees, first shift, second shift, third shift, weekends, holidays. We want to tell them that we know the job that you do is hard and we love you for how much you pour of yourself into it. And we do that with food. Uh, he was very fortunate in his organization. And he said, you know, we often get awards. We have, so, we, have, we have something that happens that is a good thing for our organization. But if I go about three months and nothing happens, I'm going to make something up. We're going to have a party. And I love that. It stuck with me for all of these times. I thought, you know, sometimes we have to create happiness. And the only reason we need to provide gratitude to someone is what they do every day. It, it's not always the exceptional people that get all the recognition and the rewards. It's the person that just does their job really, really well and gives that person a smile in the hallway once in a while. And we all can think of people. We love working with them. You know, let's celebrate that. And that gratitude piece is another connection for me, Danny, that helps me feel so excited about the work that I'm blessed to be able to do every day in leading a hospital, because there are countless people for me to thank. Wow. I, I, I really believe appreciation is fuel for the soul. I hear catch people doing things right. And we don't have to have somebody, you know, cure cancer or go to Mars to appreciate and recognize them. I, I used to get in discussions, arguments, debates about people thought we're going to diminish the value of recognition. We're going to diminish the value of appreciation. You know, raise your hand. If you're driving down the road, listening to this, if you're on the exercise machine, listen to this, if you're walking down the street, listen to this, raise your hand. If at any point in your entire career, you said, you know what? I'm sick and tired of all the appreciation and recognition around here. I am quitting tomorrow. If this continues said nobody ever. And that's why I wanted to talk about this, Dave, finding ways to express gratitude. You're so natural at this. You're so, it's just who you are. And I think it just ties back into the, the foundational element of that genuine care and concern. You truly love your people. You're trying to be the best part of their day. Powerful, powerful strategy. Well, I appreciate that, Danny. And I, I also have a little bit of a caveat that came with that is I'm also finding that people and their personalities very much want to be recognized differently and, and through mm. in different ways. Some people are very happy with the, the big party and a celebration and a big event. And other people love it if you take them off to the side and put their, your hand around their shoulder and say, thank you. And they would die if you put them in that situation where they're up on the stage. They don't like that. And so Again, I talked about this fabric of everything working together. The more questions we ask, the more we have that ability to listen in a deep way, then we learn what people like, Danny, and what the people that matter the most to us, how their minds work and how we can best celebrate them. And if you've seen one, you've seen one. And that's what makes leadership so much fun. It is. It is for our listeners out there. And Dave, I'm sure you're familiar with this. Uh, but for more information on that, uh, so Chapman wrote a book called The Five Love Languages, and then he partnered with, I can't remember the guy's name who he partnered with, but he wrote The Five Languages of Appreciation at Work. And Dave just hit on something that's absolute gold. If, if, if you have somebody that hates public recognition, that's more introverted, that would rather have, you know, that lunch where we talk about the things that went well or the pat on the back or the private conversation and you bring them up on a stage and make them uncomfortable, that all that you tried to do was for not. 
And so really knowing our people holistically, leading the whole person, asking great questions, becoming a great listener, lets you know how do you connect with them? How do they receive recognition and appreciation? And, and on a deeper side, how do they uh, want, accept, and receive feedback? So we can have open communication. So there's a couple of different resources there for people to look at as they dive, dive into this. Dave, uh, we've come to the end of the episode. I wish we had more time because there's so much gold in this book. We have barely scratched the surface. Um, such an incredible read. Do you have a call to action or something you'd like to close on? Yeah, thank you, Danny. And first of all, just thank you for this opportunity to talk to your listeners. You've set, you've done such a great job over these four seasons of of giving people a reason to think about leadership and be intentional about it. So I, I appreciate you very much. Thank and you. our community appreciates you. The call to action that I would have, Danny, is that if I go back to that 2019 period in my life when I was going through some challenges, the takeaway for me is to lead with positivity and kindness. And if you're comfortable even throwing that love word in there, that idea of understanding that we have no idea what's going on in people's lives. And if there's something that we can do to move that needle in a positive direction, if there's something that I can do to have that person go home and say, the best part of my day was that time that I spent with Dave, with Danny, with the person that, that they interact with, you know, what can we do to move that needle? And I think a lot of it starts with that idea of respect for the individual and kindness. So that's my call to action. I know it's a little bit obtuse, but I think the book gives some very granular examples of how we can all do that. Lead with positivity and kindness. The great responsibility of leadership is that as leaders, we have the greatest impact on the quality of life of our people, of anything they experience. They're they're there eight hours, 10 hours a day, 40, 50 hours a week. And the experience they have doesn't fall off them when they walk out the hospital doors or city hall or the manufacturing plant. It carries over and transitions to the quality of a mom or a dad they are, a husband or a wife, a son or a daughter. And that's a huge, huge impact. These principles are people principles. They're, they're not confined. To, they're not confined to a hospital or city government or a law office. They apply everywhere because we're all human beings. Talking to Dr. David Schreiner, just released his new book, Be the Best Part of Their Day. Phenomenal book. We took a deep dive into engage and connect. It's one of the three categories. One of the things we dove into, ask great questions, generate positivity. Uh, appreciative in, uh, inquiry, such a powerful, powerful tool that I'm going to continue to learn more about. Develop great listening skills. Practice them regularly. The biggest thing, be present. Start with curiosity versus judgment. As soon as we move to judgment, we stop listening. Avoid the distractions. Um, identify where do you have to be at. Is it a good thing to do? Is it the right thing to do? How do we manage our schedules better? Can you can you turn a meeting into 30 minutes instead of 60? Can you take that to 25? That gives you more time to do the meaningful work. This 10 to 5 rule at 10 feet, look, engage, you get closer, acknowledge verbally, high quality connections, find ways to express gratitude, catch people doing things right. Phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. Uh, to our listeners, we have scratched the surface. I highly recommend you go to Amazon, click on the link in the podcast description. You can buy it right there. Uh, it's very affordable, easy, easy read. Uh, Dr. David Schreiner, thank you, thank you, thank you for taking this time. 
Danny, that is the best summary I've ever heard in my life. It's like mic drop. I'm going to use that. I'm going to steal that. I appreciate you so much, brother. Thank you for everything that you do for our leadership community. Thank you. And and thanks for being a great mentor, a great coach, and a great friend. So our listeners, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, please consider leaving us a rating or review so we can reach more people organically. Please follow us on LinkedIn. Join our community of 60,000 people. And remember, always be committed to excellence.